Welcome to the Doxa Dialogue Podcast. My name is David Rudy. I'm the pastor at Doxa Church, and this is all about living life on mission for the glory of God. Today, we have some familiar voices at the table with us. First of all, Amanda. Hello, hello. Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time of day you're listening to this. (laughs) Yes, we're recording this at night, and we're all tad tired from all the activities that we have been doing today. Amanda was telling us you were chopping wood out there. Oh yeah, tree trimming, Yeah, just laundry, just cleaning, you know, the works. Doing the life as a mom, which Mm -hmm. never ends. Yeah, and then she's here podcasting with you. (laughs) Also have our friend... Benson. Hello, my name is Benson. I'm 30 years old and I'm from Spartanburg, South Carolina. <laughs> Glad to be here. Excellent, Ben. So welcoming to hear that voice. <laughs> What's going on this week? Any Anything besides chores and nonstop action? You know, actually, it has kind of been uh, nonstop action at the Sen household. So really mixed vibes this week. Mm. My mom had a biopsy last week. But we heard today that the test came back negative, so non-cancerous. Yep, spot on her thyroid, non-cancerous. So that was huge relief for the whole family. But then on the flip side of that, and not to get all heavy, but uh, one of my best friends, he was the best man at my wedding, his brother died of ALS. Um, And so we... We, yeah, he's got a funeral on Friday that I'll be going to, but, wow. um, yeah, it was that, so that part of it was not, not a fun week, obviously, but yeah. you know, we, uh, we'll survive. <laughs> yeah. Our church was able to volunteer with Samaritan's Purse right before they left Spartanburg with the tornado relief. And that was a really, really good experience. That was awesome. That yeah. was so fun. I bet fun. that was. I hate I had to miss that. that yeah. I bet that was awesome. I, yeah, it's a Saturday. It's did you have to, Amanda? Did I did. I had to, to work on that? Saturday. I did. Actually, <laughs> officially have to miss it. She had a really good excuse, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. But serving families in Spartanburg who had trees go through the garage and talking with the homeowner the whole time, it was it was really what it's all about. Presented them a Bible, gave a presentation of the gospel, so... Got free gloves. Hopefully, there's never another natural disaster. <laughs> but yeah, we're yeah we do get free gloves too. It, mm-hmm. it is amazing though how natural disasters bring people together in a mm-hmm. way that you wouldn't normally. So it's 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 kind of cool. God can use anything, and that's what's always amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Well, today we're going to be talking about maturity, and to be honest, a lot of people have a horrifically skewed view of spiritual maturity. We're just going to get that out there right now. Mm-hmm. Every religion on earth besides biblical Christianity teaches that you can get spiritual. You can get to God by adding or subtracting something. And a lot of people confuse that with maturity. And we know from the Bible, and this is one of the things we're going to be talking about today, it's not about what you do or don't do to get to Christ. The Bible teaches that we can never be good enough and that we don't do anything ourselves to find God. Instead, God finds us. He draws us in. We don't reach him. He reaches down to us, and he sent his son Jesus into this world to be that sacrifice for our sins. So with that in mind, can we really achieve maturity then? What really is a spiritually mature person? You know, is it that older, wiser person with a sense of somberness and holiness 
you know, most of us would say, well, no, but it's, you know, that's not quite right. But like, how can you really put your finger on that? Uh, that's our topic for today. And I want to give you a heads up. Age has nothing to do with it. So yeah, and that's that's such a good point, David, because I do feel like in our society, uh, we associate maturity with a certain age, you mm-hmm. know, the ability to drive when you're 16, you know, the ability to drink when you're 21 or to get married, you know, at 18 for some or, but for some reason, our culture just seems to think that any one of these things is a sign of physical maturity. Yeah. I don't know about y'all, but that has not always been my experience. I'm sure we can all agree that just because you're able to drive does not mean you are mature enough to make all the best decisions behind the wheel. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 16-year-old David got a lot of tickets, actually. (laughs) Maybe even one recently. (laughs) Oh. There's a warning. I got a a warning lately. Warning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And just because you're able to legally drink does not mean you will make mature decisions with that privilege. Thankfully, I've never, never had that issue myself. (laughs) So... And, you know, there's plenty of people who have children that are definitely not responsible enough to take care of them. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how, I mean, people who fought in wars that were like 20 years old. Yeah. Like are so what we would call very mature compared to 29 year old today. Oh, yeah. Like just shows you another one age. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or even on the flip side of that, and I think this is kind of what you're saying too, Amanda, is you will find a 21 year old who is fighting in a war who you know, did a tour or two in Afghanistan, but then they come home and like, they don't know how to have a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know exactly. how to be a husband. Yeah. Yeah. Life's falling apart, but yeah. we're giving them a gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sending them into battle. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you sign up. You're mature. Can't drink a beer, but here's your gun. There you go. Yeah. All right. So, and I actually, it's interesting. So I looked up some, um, cultural rites of passage around the world that would, you know, signify you as an adult, depending on your culture. Oh, let's hear Um, this. So I had some, let's look at some of these. Some of these were crazy. One of the wildest ones to me was the, um, I don't even, I'm not even trying to pronounce it, but it's (laughs) the bullet ant initiation. So in Brazilian Hmm. Amazon, they basically get these bullet ants, and I know have y'all bullet heard of bullet ants? ants? They're like the I most have. painful, biting ants, or stinging yeah. ants, or whatever they do. But it's it's they hor- sound bad. horrible. Yeah, it's not. And they're like giant. Getting That's shot by a bullet. Yeah, yeah is, exactly. Yeah, okay. Ouch. So they, when boys turn thirteen, they like sew them into these gloves, and then the boys have to wear them for like ten minutes. No. Um, while these ants like sting them and they have to do this like up to 20 times over a span of several months before the initiation is complete. Oh, so that's how you yikes. become a man in the Amazon. That's just, that's how I know. remember it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and of course, you know, that in America we have the sweet 16, you just have a great big party, you have a show on MTV, you get a fancy new car. Yeah. You, know. you do nothing in America. <laughs> you, you do get that nothing maturity. in America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's see what else we got here. We got some other crazy ones. Inuit boys, they have they have to go out in the wilderness with their fathers between ages 11 and 12 and have to hunt for like a week or two out just in the wilderness wow. with nothing. Oh, I like um, that one. Yeah, that would be kind of, no, that'd be kind of cool, right? Yeah. I mean, we could, you no. know, do something like that. Oh, there's yeah. this one which is the um Hamar cow jumping. 
in Ethiopia, some grooms-to-be is your, like, bachelor party rite of passage. They have to um, jump over a male cow four times while naked, symbolizing the childhood they are leaving behind. Fascinating. So, yeah, just some really interesting ways that other cultures signify maturity. Yeah. Doesn't sound like the Bible, does it? (laughs) Doesn't quite sound very biblical. Um, And I did actually look up the Wikipedia definition of maturity, because why would you trust any other source? For Um, sure. sure. (laughs) Maturity is defined as the ability to respond to the environment, being aware of the correct time and location to behave and knowing when to act Mm. according to the circumstances of the culture and society that one lives in. So Mm. basically, you know, most people see maturity as a cultural thing. I mean, mm. we're basing it as a sec- it's what secular maturity is based off of. It almost sounds just like get in line yep. and, and do what you need to do. Right. In that, and you're a mature person. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you just wake up one day, you go through this rite of passage and, and we just call you mature. Sure. But you know, as far as spiritual maturity goes, I personally don't no, and David, you might could, you know, illuminate more on this, but I don't know if I believe we really ever reach full spiritual maturity while we're on this earth. You see in the Bible, it talks about glorification when we finally get to heaven and see mm-hmm. Christ face to face. That's when we will actually achieve our full spiritual maturity right mm-hmm. there. Do you have any thoughts on that too, Ben? Any other insights? Yeah, no, it's not happening down here. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. (laughs) And then just like, you know, perfection. I think it's just this constant spiritual state that we strive towards, but Mm -hmm. we'll never fully reach it, you know, but there are lots of things that we can do to help us grow deeper in our wisdom and understanding of what God desires for us to do. Mm -hmm. And no matter what age you come to Christ, the beginning of your walk is when you're considered a child in your belief. I came to Christ as a child. I was like seven years old. But I know there's some people, even in our church, who haven't come to know Christ until they were like 45. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have a number of people who trust the Christ as, in, as adults. I love to see when that happens because they look at things differently too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Um, And just how we learn to walk and talk as children, we have to learn how to really hear from God and distinguish what is of him and what is not. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, the world may say that a sign of maturity is moving in with your boyfriend or girlfriend, but the Bible says that we're to abstain from sexual immorality, saving ourselves from marriage. Mm -hmm. You know, the world may say it's okay to do something dishonest in your job if it means you can get a promotion, because really you're just providing for yourself or your family, But the Bible says that wealth gained by dishonesty will do you no good. So to grow in spiritual maturity, we have to make choices that are often contrary to what our culture says is permissible. These aren't always choices that are big life decisions. It takes a lot of spiritual maturity not to snap back at your spouse when you're in a fight. Yeah. You know, or to deny yourself in an area where you really don't want to, but you know that by doing so, it will demonstrate Christ's love to someone else. It's a lot of times these not flashy yeah. fruits of the spirit that take time to develop that we never just get instantaneously. Yeah. But those are the markers, you're right, of, of a spiritually mature. Yeah, person. it's not always the big yeah, not always the, the big decisions, what job am I gonna take or something like that. It's those mm-hmm. little day to day things. Mm. You know, but unfortunately spiritual maturity does not come easily. 
it requires a lot of sacrifice and a lot of dedication. And it's a lot like some of the more difficult rites of passage that we read about. And sometimes it just plain hurts. You know, I wish it would be like one big sweet 16 partying, wake up the next day and bam, I am spiritually mature. I'm good to go making all the good decisions. (laughs) Spiritual sweet 16. (laughs) Exactly. Spiritual sweet 16. That needs to be a thing. (laughs) Yeah, right. Spiritual quintanera. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The Bible tells us that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Mm. And we are constantly being refined by every trial that we face, constantly being lovingly pushed to grow deeper in our faith, to retain that childlike love of Christ, but to make decisions based out of a deep knowledge of God and his character. Mm -hmm. And those trials and those decisions to willingly choose God's way over our own grow us in our own walk with him and help give us hope, even when our circumstances can seem hopeless. And I really believe that the mark of a true, mature believer in Jesus Christ is just that, hoping beyond all hope in a God who is able to do all things, even more than we can ask or imagine. Yeah, those are some really, really good thoughts, Amanda. I think there's just so much really solid truth there. The idea of almost like this, this delayed, delayed gratification. Mm-hmm. When I think of someone who's mm-hmm. mature, that's definitely something that resonates with me as far as, okay, this person is willing to let go of a freedom or liberty that they have because someone else in the room could potentially be offended. Or if you look at a single person versus a married, married person, they're going to delay you know, an intimate lifestyle mm-hmm being single single to when they're married and they're just going to trust the Lord. This is his plan. And, um, but yeah, I think you just really hit the nail on the head on so many fronts there. I was going to take this in a little different direction that I, I really feel strongly that when it comes to maturity, that as the men in the church go, so the rest of the church goes. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, there's so many jokes out there about, you know, men don't really mature until they're 27 or, you know. <laughs> Once again, numbers. There we go. <laughs> right. uh, I know. I'm 30 now, so I've only been mature for three years. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to hit the men uh, yeah. as far as maturity goes and, and do a little flexing together. <laughs> but also, this will dovetail with David's message this week at Docks yeah. Church. So chime in or tune into mm-hmm. that as well, where um, David's going to be doing a little bit more direction towards married men. But um, now I've taken, I have 12 marks of biblical maturity in regards to men that I'm just going to briefly highlight, will not take too long. But um, Al Moeller actually put together pretty much most of this stuff. I just stole it straight from him. I tweaked it, added, deleted, but... Um, Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, no, he thank just... Thank you, Al Moeller. Thank you so much, Al Moeller. Well, I think um, it's not broken. There you go. Yep, exactly. So um, I'm just going to highlight these, and they're just so helpful for me to kind of wrap my mind around these spiritual marks of maturity. And I think for our listeners, this is just really helpful information. So the first mark of biblical maturity is spiritual in nature. So spiritual maturity is sufficient to lead a wife and children. Um, the mature man walks with God mm-hmm. daily. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in the word. He's pouring his heart out. And God's going to use these disciplines of walking with God in a powerful way to take a boy to a man. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that that 
becoming a, a leader, becoming someone who's mature. It, I think it starts at the feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts there because we see in scripture, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of not just manliness, masculinity, but um, maturity. He's the, mm-hmm. the perfect picture of uh, someone who is mature in all things. Uh, so we've got to start there. Like he's the standard and there's a spiritual maturity that comes from uh, spending time with him. And it's not an overnight thing, as we alluded to even even tonight, but uh, something where we are constantly drawing um, our influence from him or we're constantly saturating ourselves and um, little by little. You know, if you took a cloth and you dropped like, let's just say like blue dye in the center of it. It's not going to immediately um, go an inch or two, three inches hmm. in, in its influence. It takes some time for that dye to slowly saturate little by little. And before you know it, that little tiny teardrop of a color is now a few inches. It's, it's, it's gained in its, its influence. And so similar to spending time with God, uh, I think that's how it works too is hmm. – you know, we we routinely put ourselves in, next to him, in front of him, and uh, gazing at him. And before we know it, we turn around and we are just not the people we used to be. Um, so there's this mis- this <laughs> yes, praise <laughs> God for that. Um, so then I think there's a there's a personal. So let's be the second personal maturity um, that is sufficient for a man to be a responsible husband and father. David's going to expand on this idea on on Sunday, so please tune into that. But it's crucial to maturity. Like marriage, there's nothing like marriage in regards to maturing you. And I think that was God's plan. You know, he takes okay. two broken sinners and he puts them in a, a now a new broken family. <laughs> and then he's like, hey, here you go. Learn to love each other, but uh, you can't do it without me. Even like secular economists will tell you that when a man is married, he saves more money. He like works harder. You know, there's something about that that is, yeah. is there mm-hmm. when you don't have those extra responsibilities play video games more and you mm-hmm. go out and blow money on a motorcycle like it's just even the world will tell you like those kind of things are gonna yeah. like make you step up your game i think we see this everywhere yeah uh, but we've got to aspire as christian men to be the kind of men um where a woman would gladly marry me would marry the type of person with the, the character that you have mm-hmm. and the children can respect and trust and listen to. Mm. Um, so then third, there's an economic maturity that's sufficient to hold an adult job and handle money. Yes. Uh, so when you think of someone who is, is mature, uh, it, it involves the way you handle your finances. Like mm-hmm. David just mentioned, you the guy that the single dude that's like, Hey, I got a hundred extra bucks to blow. What are we going to do? Or <laughs> yeah, let's, you know, buy a new motorcycle. Let's go get the <laughs> new game console, whatever the case may be. But when we fail to develop this economic maturity, uh, it, it, it leaves you a boy longer mm-hmm. than you're designed to be. And sometimes that might mean you can't even hold a job. You don't have a career or vocation that you're pursuing that is ultimately going to glorify God and support a family. Um, so there's also fourthly, fourth of physical maturity. So you're sufficient to work and protect a family. <clears throat> that doesn't mean that someone with disabilities um, and maybe confined to a wheelchair isn't mature or mm. manly or their masculinity right. is gone because of that limitation. That's not exactly the case, but uh, you can still be ready um, to put yourself on the line. You're, you can still have a plan to protect the, the people and the assets that God's given you, um, and you can still be a man. 
Um, Sexual maturity, sufficient to marry and fulfill God's purposes. Mm -hmm. I think we understand this. We've spent a lot of time even talking about these things in our podcasts. But just understanding God's design for intimacy in marriage and uh, seeking to live that out. Uh, there is a maturity that even comes on that that front. Uh, six would be a moral maturity where you're sufficient to lead as an example of righteousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is awesome. Most like the stereotype uh, for young people, for young guys, it's normally recklessness, irresponsibility, mm. careless. It goes on and on. But as a boy becomes a man, he's developing this moral maturity um, as as we gaze more at Christ and we learn to think like a believer, then we learn to act like a Christian mm-hmm. and we can now influence others to do the same. Uh, so there's this moral maturity. Yeah, you know, with that moral maturity and with the sexual maturity, both of those things are a result of when we as the individual are looking to Christ and we're not just looking out for our own interests, you mm-hmm. know, and, and we're starting to open our eyes to mm-hmm. other people. I mean, really all of them, the economic, all of these fit in line with that, but we're not just focused on ourselves anymore. We're so consumed with what Jesus has done for us that our eyes are open to the needs of other people. Yeah. Cause I definitely think that in a secular world, uh, sexual maturity can definitely be really skewed as far, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it, yeah. as mm-hmm. a man, what, what that means in the secular world is not the same thing right. that it means in the biblical world. Yeah. Yeah. And if without Christ, it's about me getting my desires fulfilled yeah. with Christ. It's I'm going to fulfill my spouse's desires mm-hmm. at the same time. It's more than just a take thing. Mm-hmm. It's a give exactly. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I guess as I wrap this up, there are a couple more. Um, he mentions ethical maturity, worldview maturity, relational maturity, mm. um, even verbal maturity. And not just like you're not swearing, but you have the ability to communicate and you can articulate things as a man. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, and not just your emotions, but even where you stand on, on certain issues. Yeah. And you say that in the, at the appropriate time when you need to say that, when you need to stand up and communicate maybe what the Bible says about this. Mm. Um, take a stand for your faith. Uh, character maturity, where you can demonstrate courage under fire, mm. uh, is what Al, Mar- Al Mohler says. This is so crucial, where manhood especially is minimalized and marginalized by cultural elites, is what he says. He goes on to say, we must recapture a commitment to courage that's translated into the real-life challenges faced by the Christian man. This is just absolutely crucial for men to have courage, um, where men will even risk their own lives in defense of others, his, his wife, his kids, um, anyone who's in need of rescue. Uh, this, it's just courage demonstrated in taking a stand under fire. Uh, you're not succumbing to the temptation to mm-hmm. be silent, to mm-hmm. take a step back, to, to falter, but you're actually taking a step up. Uh, up to the plate. And then he, he concludes by there's a biblical maturity that's sufficient to lead at some level in the church. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, so now we're taking our maturity and, uh, and in a sense we've filled ourselves up with so much of Christ, the example of Christ, that now we're in a position of, of influence in some mm-hmm. way uh, in our local church. We are ready to take the place as leaders in our local church presenting the gospel. We're standing in the gap where, where it might be needed. We're praying when we need to pray. And uh, we are just showing ultimately 
Christian maturity. So those are my my rapid fire thoughts, but I hope that you guys find that helpful. Yeah, that's very helpful. For the listeners out there, think about what areas that he just mentioned in this list where you struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, do you have conflicts in your life in any of these areas? Yeah, that's good. And instead of just saying, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm not good at that or it's just not my thing. Yeah. Brushing it off and just kind of like going on with what you've always been doing. This is a great list because it identifies like I can be strong in a lot of these, but yeah, we're pro- there's probably one on this list where, yeah, we have some room to grow. Yeah, and don't make excuses for it. Take it, take it to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Say, yeah. hey, listen, I am I am weak in this area. <clears throat> I'm nervous. This kind of makes me a little afraid of what this might mean to step up in this area. But Lord, I want to be mature. I want to grow into the next step that you have for me. And what is that? Yeah, it really highlights the multifaceted approach of spiritual maturity. It's not just the one rubber stamp thing and now I've yeah. arrived and I have it. There's there's all these nuanced areas that we're always going to be striving. And that takes maturity to admit where we're weak and, yeah. you know, know that we need to work on that. So, Yeah, very true. So I would say... Ultimately, the number one mark of spiritual maturity is to love others. And I'm, I'm not even going to get into that, and that's not to contradict anything that y'all just said, mm-hmm. but we can really see from the Bible that God is love, and he has commanded us to whatever we do, do it out of love. And so that's Christianity 101. But in Philippians, I want to point out another passage which I think shows one of these marks of spiritual maturity that can get us to where we need to be. Like taking this list that Ben gave us, taking like this whole perspective that Amanda shared as well of the way we strive to get there. This is a simple thing that kind of goes under the radar, but it's very, very relevant for this topic. So uh, Philippians chapter three, I'm going to read verses 12 to the end of the chapter. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Mm. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Testify. (laughs) Feel that. So did you catch 
the underlying consistent reoccurring theme there in that passage, it's maturity is an attitude of hustle. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to point out today. Hustle. You can describe it as like unceremonious effort. All right. I, I've joked about this before with our church. When we first started, I had a sermon on this passage. And so some of you may remember this illustration, but my sister, Rebecca, member of this podcast, (laughs) when she was in high school, she was the epitome of unceremonious hustle. (laughs) She, uh, she would get out there in the court and just arms flying everywhere. She's blocking shots. She's getting rebounds. She's hustling just on the floor. Doesn't really have a clue where the basket is or like, there's not really any polish to her game, but, but she was just out there and it wasn't perfect. It was a little messy, but she was driven. And I think what we see in this passage is a spiritually mature Christian they have this almost holy discontent with the status quo. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, Julie and I saw the celebration of life for Kobe Bryant. It was in the Staples Center. I don't Mm -hmm. know if any of you saw that. Mm -mm. It was really moving. There was a few speakers. I mean, they were all really, really impactful talking about Kobe Bryant's life. I don't know if Kobe Bryant was a believer or not. It's kind of hard to say. He had a Catholic background. I've seen interviews from different points in his life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he's talking about how he doesn't know where he's going to go after his after death. Mm-hmm. Some people have, have heard some recent things that it seemed like maybe he did make a decision for Christ uh, recently. Either way, you cut it. He was a very great father mm-hmm. and a husband and a basketball player. I mean, we all know that. It was yeah. obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about Kobe Bryant was he had incredible talent. But the reason he was one of the greatest ever was because he worked at it. Like, he had extreme hustle. He was always getting after it. He was always talking to people. He was never content with his game. He always wanted to to be better. And that really marked his entire life. So similarly with the Christian life, I think we have to realize that there's three particular ways in this passage that we can fight complacency and also – get after it for the cause of Christ, the mission that God has given us. And the first one is strive for the prize of the upward call. To contrast complacency with hustle, complacency is just a, a smug satisfaction. You know, you look at your life and you feel fine with where you're at. I'm good with what I've achieved so far. I'm doing okay. I don't really have to push too hard, too much harder. And right there, that is the exact opposite of the posture that we see from Paul in this passage. Paul says mature Christians hustle and nothing will halt your forward progress as easily as complacency. I've heard it said that contentment is the enemy of growth. There's an old pastor from England in the late 1800s, F.B. Meyer, and he said that dissatisfaction lies at the heart of all our noblest achievements. So it's that sense of like, I want to do more, for Jesus that can push us to maturity and to accomplishing more for Jesus Christ. So complacency is incompatible with our calling to make disciples, to glorify God. And Satan knows this, which I really think is why he's lulled so many Christians to sleep. I mean, he's got more than one trick. He doesn't just want you to sin. He also is fine if you're just asleep. 
and he's really good at lullabies. If you're asleep, you're not going to do any damage against the gates of hell that you were meant to tear down. So reviewing this passage, I mean, you, you see the phrase, not that I've already obtained, in quote. I press on, in quote. I don't consider I have made it. Straining forward. There's the word press on again. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if you think otherwise, God will reveal it to you. Paul is saying, if you don't see this, it's all right. You're wrong, and God will show you. He will eventually reveal this to you. And the sad thing is the average Christian is on cruise control. So Ben and Amanda, throw out a couple specific ways. How do Christians get on cruise control so easily out there? I mean, that's that's my biggest struggle, honestly, is with complacency. As a nine, as a peacemaker, I am definitely more of a content person. I don't really want anything to disrupt my sense of peace. And pushing myself and hustling and all of those things just go completely against what I naturally want to do. It's not always fun and easy to do something challenging, is it? No, it is. It's it's much easier to just sit back and let somebody else be in charge. I mean, for sure. And as Christians, we can say, well... I can't do what they're doing as well as they're doing it, so I'm just not even going to try. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's good. What was the question again, David? <laughs> Ways that Christians can get trapped in that whole mindset of going on cruise control. Yeah, I was just going to say, don't do anything. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, don't make a plan. Mm-hmm. Don't put any effort in. Mm-hmm. Just live. Just mm-hmm. wake up, roll out of bed, and do what you got to do. Because there's enough coming at you. Yeah. There's enough distractions that are just automatically gonna show up in your life. So, if yeah, you're, yeah, it's and especially guys, it's like we we're like you know water running down the hill. We're gonna find and we're gonna settle at the lowest place. Yeah, for the most part, the easiest yeah. place mm-hmm. where that water just ends up and lands. So that's why I say you really don't have to do much at all to get the, in that position that yes. you're talking about. Yes. Right, I agree. Right, we can lose it's that. It's the natural really direction we head. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think about it this way too, you know, for the ladies out here, when you were dating your your husband to be, like, That's charming, you can always. I mean, I've never heard a, a lady say, "Oh yeah, he just kind of like we just kind of fell into it and it just happened." Like, <laughs> your husband pursued you, right? I mean, he was getting flowers, he was writing cards, like. Yeah, I missed that hustle. I got flowers yeah. sent to me from California when we were dating. So that was, that was some hustle right there. Yeah. And I, I tell you what, Stephen's not the only one. Like, we're all guilty of this. It's like, okay, I achieved the prize. Yeah. Yes, I got it. And now you have this natural tendency just to kind of put your foot off the gas a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not writing poems or love songs on the guitar <laughs> yeah. anymore. Like, not intentionally, like, thinking of really creative places to go on dates. Mm-hmm. But that's not... That's not good. I mean, we're, right, we're highlighting, right. like, that's the wrong way to go about it. And at the same time, I don't want us to confuse hustling and passionately getting after the mission of Christ. I don't want to confuse that with works-based legalism right. either. Like, there's definitely a balance here, and there's tension because that line can get blurred. Yeah. God doesn't love us anymore based on what <clears throat> we do or don't do. So we can't confuse that between grace and striving. Yeah. And just the overall distinction, we're not talking about our salvation now. Right. Right. This is, this is, this is beyond that. After we have 
we've been redeemed, justified, forgiven. Yeah. Now that's when it's all out effort. And that's when this, this comes into place. Like, yeah. A gravy. I, I want to know my Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't work for God's approval. We work because we are approved. Yes. And there's a difference between obeying to be accepted and obeying because we are accepted. And that's mm-hmm. what this passage is talking about. You're accepted in the beloved. So it is okay to set spiritual goals, and that's what Ben was talking about. That's what you were talking about as well, Amanda. Mm-hmm. Striving for the prize of the upward call. And I think there's just really quickly, there's four practical, specific ways that we can fight complacency. Own your new identity. Mm -hmm. That's verse 12. He has made you his own. He loves you because he owns you. Mm -hmm. You know, you think about why you love your kids. I didn't say this earlier, but right before the podcast, Paxton, like, jumped up into my face as I was like about to give him a hug and his forehead just slammed into my jaw and oh. I bit my tongue. I was bleeding oh. everywhere. Oh, no. I, I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's, uh. I still love my son, even though he hurts me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not really doing a lot of productive things at yeah. this stage. <laughs> I love him anyway, because he's my son, yeah. right? Like we all love our own kids. Uh, you and I can press on because Christ has made us his own and our identity is found in him. Another way is do more by doing less. Another way we fight complacency and stay on mission and keep hustling is not getting bogged down with lists. You know, notice verse 13 in there, it says, it's one thing that I do. Complexity, I think often is a weakness more than it's a strength. Mm-hmm. Because you can do more by doing less. Mm. And I know I know the ladies speaking, you know, we've had a lot of, of men <laughs> challenge here. But ladies, you're like, wait, one thing. Like Amanda yeah. was, mm-hmm. I, I trimmed the trees. <laughs> I helped my son who had to come over there for school. I mean, the mom's list of things yes. is never done. Never ending. Like there's not one thing on your list, right, Amanda? Right, no. So, so what's Paul talking about one thing I do? Well, I think you have to realize this isn't just talking about a list. This is about a lens, Mm -hmm. okay? All the things that I do, I need to be looking at it through the lens of Jesus Christ. Am I doing it for him and his glory? It's it's not good to just put God on the top of the list and, all right, I'm going to check that box off because I have my devotions today, Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to go do the other 52 things on my list. Very true. If we do that... Our relationship with Jesus is definitely going to get stale. It's going to get muscled out. It's going to get boxed out. And God did not intend you for you just to put him first and then go out and slay dragons and feed the screaming babies and <laughs> all of those other things on the rest of our day. No, he is the one thing that we're to look at all of these things and say, I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it through him. I'm doing it because he's called me to do this. So... Verse 13 also says, forgetting what lies behind and reaching toward what lies ahead. I think we need to often just resist the urge to look back and not let our past failures hold us back. Mm-hmm. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. And isn't it, isn't it just like the enemy to rub your nose in the stuff that you did in the past? Oh, absolutely. That God's already yeah. forgiven. I mean, he wants to trap you there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and we can become a victim sometimes of our own success. Um, we cut out our own press clippings and just rest in that instead of fighting a new battle. What matters is where you're going, not where you've been. Mm-hmm. 
And there are many times in scripture where we're told, remember what you were like before God redeemed you. It's not contradicting that, but we're just saying cultivate you know, a selective spiritual amnesia. You don't need to remember all those mistakes mm-hmm. from those old days. Just put that in the past and remember his faithfulness. He brought you out of that and you don't find your identity in that anymore. Mm-hmm. A lot of times even it's people's own pain that they can never get past. It's, mm-hmm. They're always dealing with those wounds. And I know it takes time sometimes, but a mark of spiritual maturity is you literally look ahead mm-hmm. instead of what happened behind you. Verse 16 says, hold fast to what you have obtained. Don't let up. The longer you have lived your life for Christ, honestly, the harder you have to hold on to what you have attained. It's easy to think, I've done it once, I've done it before, I'm going to get into a rhythm and, and relax and just go with the momentum. But as you said earlier, Ben, it's like a stream where we'll just settle. Mm-hmm. And then what happens if that water stops flowing and it stops rustling over the rocks and staying pure? If that water's just stagnant, yep. disease grows in that stuff. Yep. gets nasty. You know, I think some of the most incredible people in the church are older Christians who still do things. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I mean, this isn't a slam on our elders <laughs> at all. Like, I don't want, I don't want this to come across that way, but I've been in a lot of churches where the old people hang out with the old people and they don't talk with the new people mm-hmm. and they're comfortable in their own way. And they get mad if anybody ever wants to do something different. That's a yeah. little bit, a little bit, not the way we used to do it in 1970. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm kind of joking there. Like, I don't want this to sound like elitist or anything, right. but you know, it's so much more common to see older people hold on to the past in the old comfortable way they did it mm-hmm. than it is to see an older person get their hands dirty and jump in and try something new. That's actually a mark of spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. And we have some of those Christians in our church. We have oh, yeah. some older, you know, than older than me, like, yeah. you know, like, well, so we'll say, we'll just put it that way. Which is great that they. I mean, we all we all want to be Karen. Yeah, I think that's the easiest. Yeah. If you don't know Karen, then there's no way you go to our church. You, if you go to our church, you exactly. know Karen. Exactly, yep. just how it works. Yep. Exactly, <laughs> and I think of like Mike and Connie Baderka, yes. and I think of Freddie and Martha. There's like yes. more and more of these people who they're like, hey, I don't have to go to a a church where it has all the programs, and mm-hmm. you know, we get on the bus and we go to <laughs> go to Gatlinburg, and because it's and it's relaxing, and we hear our music. No, they're they're like. I, there was an old guy at one of our churches in Kansas, and he drove the bus for the youth group. You know, he got the bus stuck in the ice storm once <laughs> and was a pretty slow bus driver. And, but, but yeah, he was involved. He was involved and he did yeah. stuff as, as a retiree, and that's amazing. Another way we fight complacency in this passage is remember that we're running this race together. Um, and you can really help yourself if you do this. You follow the people who are living for eternity. That's verses 17 through 19. We don't follow people. We know that. We follow Jesus Christ. But there's nothing wrong with walking alongside other people and learning for them. Mm-hmm. Of course, comparing yourself to other people can go terribly wrong if we believe our righteousness lies in simply being better than another person. It's very dangerous to get it down on yourself when you see how much you were lacking in comparison to someone else. Mm -hmm. But it is biblical to be tutored, to be mentored, to be discipled by another older person or whatever. 
Surround yourself with people who have strengths in areas of your weak spots. And press on in the exercise of introspection. Be honest with yourself. You know where you're weak. You know where you're strong. That list that Ben gave us can even help with that. And you know your thoughts. You know the places in your heart that you don't want to give over to the Lord. If you're struggling in your marriage, find the guy in the church who has a solid marriage. and Go have a few lunches with him. If you were struggling to control your anger, find someone who has battled that same sin and find out how they progressed in that area. As we are following Christ, there's nothing wrong with finding worthy examples. And the third way that you can fight complacency and keep up this unceremonious hustle and bustle that is found in, is found in verses 20 and 21. Remember your citizenship. This world that is in opposition to its creator is a complete mess. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that we don't live for this world. Amen. If that was it, wouldn't it be depressing? Oh my gosh, definitely. Yeah. Years ago, I read a book called Heaven by a man named Randy Alcorn, and I've never forgotten something that he said in that book. He said, this present life for the unbeliever is as good as it's ever going to be. Yes. For the believer, this present life is as worse as it's ever going to be. And I don't know about you, I'm not thrilled with our government. Um, I used to be really, really (laughs) into politics, but the more I got into it, the more and more I got disappointed and I know we have some proud Americans listening to this podcast. I'm not trying to be unpatriotic. <laughs> There's great things about America for sure. Praise God for that. But a lot of what happens in America is discouraging and it's ugly. Mm-hmm. But thank God that's not everything. This is as good as it's going to get for you. I feel sorry for you. Yeah. You know, uh, because we have a hope in Jesus Christ. That's the way you ended this, Amanda. Like that is the mark of spiritual maturity. It's our hope in Jesus Christ. And America getting better isn't going to solve all of our problems. Jesus is the only one that can change a heart for eternity. So I'm thrilled with the government of heaven. (laughs) And I love America, but I love the kingdom of God more. That's our true home. And as Peter said, down here, I'm just a sojourner. I'm an alien passing through. So if you're in Christ, you have a home. It's settled and it's not here. If you are in Christ, you have an inheritance waiting for you. And remember your ultimate citizenship. You can live the American dream, but you can't take any of that with you. Your true citizenship rests in a relationship and a place that God has prepared for you. So the prize of the upward call is to remind ourselves that we should constantly look at our true identity, our true citizenship, and keep our heads up Mm-hmm. as we await the return of Jesus. Thanks for listening tonight, all of you mature people. Just the fact that you've listened all the way through this podcast <laughs> means you're serious about spiritual maturity. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and we're with you. Thank you for that. Please share, as, as always, if this is helpful for you. Let your friends, your neighbors... Let the people at the water cooler know about us. You can give us a review. That really helps. Give us a like out there. And always know that you can talk back. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're feeling, any insights, jokes for Ben, all all that (laughs) good stuff. Yeah, just just send it our way. Doxa underscore dialogue on Instagram. You can also comment on our podcast page at doxaupstate.church slash podcasts. That's all we got for tonight. Thanks for listening. You are loved. Yeah!